Sunji, hi to all you Topical City podcast listeners. My name's Richard, I'm hosting this week's pod and I'm joined today by Cameron. Hi, Cam, you all right, mate? I am, it's a special memento episode of the Topical City podcast. <laughs> and that will become more apparent towards the end of the podcast <laughs> as to why Cameron has said that. So it's just the two Essie lads again today. It's me and Cam. Uh, James may or may not be joining us later in the pod when we do our House of Mystery games. Or however I referred to that later on in the podcast. <laughs> so wait and uh, stay tuned for... I like how you're trying two. to keep the magic alive. <laughs> as, as if we've not spent an hour doing the games already. <laughs> this is the start of the podcast, mate. We are starting the Topical City podcast. I'm definitely not older. And I definitely don't think the games were bullshit and I was cheating out of a point. Well, since this is the introduction to the podcast, mate, <laughs> we are starting things off here. Why don't we start off a little, start things off with your favourite subject, and that's the Fantasy League. I'm not doing that bad, am I? It depends on which league we're talking about. So we'll talk about the league that you are doing bad in. <laughs> that's the league that we did a podcast on, and that is the Fantasy League Draft. So for anybody who didn't listen, me, Cam and James got together. We recorded a podcast where we did a fantasy league draft together. I was resoundedly the worst at it and picked the worst team. Uh, James picked the best team, but then and Cameron would sort of was a bit medium. I was going to say mediocre there, Cam, but you no, you're that. right. But then Cam, you picked up Ronaldo and Lukaku in the transfer since and, and really strengthened your team. But why don't you talk us through why you only got 16 points in this last game because week? I've got Kane, Lukaku and Ronaldo and they're all shit. <laughs> so Kane I, I, is on fucking strike seemingly. Ronaldo didn't fucking play and uh, he's going to get Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sacked because of it. Also, I had Fogg uh, on the bench. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm looking at it this way. I'm stopping him from scoring in real life by having him in my fantasy league too. So I'm going to keep him. I'm already too far behind to, to affect anything. Um, just, just to put it in perspective, Rich has got 365 points. James has got 341 points. And I have not even broke 300 yet. So... This is the thing, though. So um, James is catching me up week on week. He's essentially beating me like by 10 points every game week. So it's, it's a matter of time until he goes to the top. So what I'm going to suggest to you, Cameron, is that once you're well done and out of the way, you just let me have all of your best players. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping them in the team because it means they don't score in real life. <laughs> I, they you die in the dream, you die in real life. <laughs> yeah. But so, um, if we talk about the other league... Well, yeah, let's do it. Well, let's talk about the actual Fantasy League, which, you know, anybody's free to join at any time, apparently. That's the um, Etihad's League. Uh, just hit us up on Topical City, at Topical City Pod on Twitter, and, and we'll send you the, the league code there and get you invited. Cam, you've been storming up the league table, mate. You, you were something like seventh or eighth the last time I had a look at you, and now you're uh, third, is it? Yeah, and it's purely because of Mo Salah and Brian and Buemo from uh, from Brentford. How many <laughs> Brentford else players do you have in your side? Three. Oh, well, you've taken full advantage of it, mate, because I've been just getting over the average uh, number of team points every week, but it's it's not enough to stop a 
Scotty boy, Scott Dixon from rampaging up the top of the Eddie Lads table there. So he's he's obviously taken my challenge seriously a couple of podcasts ago where I said, bring it on. You need more Brentford players, pal. I, I think that's the, the secret to everything, mate. That's how you do it. I'm just currently, as we speak, transferring Lukaku out for Jamie Vardy because he's got a lot of points. In which league? <laughs> the main league. Ah, right, not, not the, the other league. I told you, he's staying where he is. <laughs> Do you not think Lukaku's going to play pretty much every game for Chelsea, though? And... Yeah, but he can't fucking score. He can't hit the broadside of a barn again. Yeah, I don't know what Tuchel's doing. He seems to be playing him as, like, the, the number 10 instead of a number 9. Yeah. Um, and, and giving everything off to fucking Werner, which is just a fucking mystery after the season he had last season. But, Cam, you raised a point of what you wanted to bring up on the podcast, pal. Um some transfer rumours that are going on that, that's come to light over the last couple of days. Yeah, we've got uh, Barcelona apparently really sniffing out our boy Raheem, aren't we? They're uh, all over him, apparently. They're, they're ready to pay whatever it takes. Uh, so it's all about if we'll sell, which I don't think we will, to be honest, because Pep's always talking about how he's not going to sell him and he loves him and he's not going anywhere. So I just thought it was interesting that Again, they're going for a striker that's just completely out of form and, and, and a forward that just isn't currently doing it. I, I don't know what their policy is at the moment. Well, it, it was reported in the Daily Mirror um, by a pretty reputable sports journalist. So it's not like it's one of these as translated by Sport Witness articles or that it's um, you know coming from some Barcelona fanzine um, over there in Spain. But... It's just fucking baffling to me because all summer long, Man City players were linked with going to Barcelona. Everybody from fucking Bernardo, Ilkay Gundogan, Raheem Sterling. Like the, the list just went on. It was like half the squad was linked with going to Barcelona. But we knew from all of the reports coming out of Barcelona that they were absolutely fucked financially. And then that actually played out in real time. They didn't sign any City players that they couldn't get on a free. They couldn't register Aguero and Garcia or even fucking Messi. And he had to leave because of the financial shit they were in. They had to sell Griezmann. So now all of a sudden they're going to break that wage structure to bring in Raheem Sterling, who must be on somewhere between 200 and 300,000 pounds a week. It still doesn't quite add up. So here's my conspiracy theory. Barcelona needs to keep the fans happy and content. Laporta, who's the new president of Barcelona, he's still in with Chiqui and Soriano and Pep and all of the former Catalan boys. I think he knows that he can keep Barcelona fans on side by claiming that they're going to make all of these big name signings and Manchester City are letting them get away with it because it's Laporta. So they're basically like, yeah, you know what, run whatever stories you want. As long as it appeases the fans there, that's fine. So our players are getting fucking, not names are getting dragged through the mud, so to speak. But this transfer speculation is never healthy for a squad, is it? And it's never healthy for a player, especially out of form like Raheem Sterling. Yeah, exactly. I just You just can't see it happening. There's, there's no way Pep would sell him because um, he just continues to play him even though he's not in form. So why on earth would he ever sell him so I, I agree with you I think it's just I don't, I don't know how it keeps Barcelona fans sweet though because surely they know he's not playing great either so do they want they've already got Luke de Jong and Martin Braithwaite up front Memphis to play <laughs> like did he really is, is Raheem Sterling really the signing that's going to make him sit up and go ah this man's doing it right he's, he's leading us forward and why, why not say 
because he's he's they're gonna cost about the same. Why not say we're in for Erling Haaland? Why not say we're in? For, you know what I mean? Like it's it's be, it's because it's, I think stuff stuff like that can easily get shot down by agents or the club, whereas they know that City aren't gonna kick up a fuss, like I said. But I think that transfer rumours are like currency to some, uh, especially to clubs that are struggling. You know, they placate the fans by constantly saying, oh, we're going to get this player, we're going to get that player. United have been doing it for, for years, but then actually following through with it and making really fucking stupid mistakes like signing Fred and Alexis Sanchez because they've been linked to City. So I don't fucking know. Uh, it's It pisses me off a lot. And I wish it'd stop, but like I said, as long as these former Catalan boys are, are running the show at City, I don't think they're going to ever put the foot down. If you're out there on Twitter and, you, and you're celebrating him being gone in January already, I'd put the streamers away, to be honest. He's not going anywhere, especially to Barcelona. So you you also wanted to hit a note on uh, Roy Keane's comments on Kyle Walker. Uh, I think I missed this, mate. Was this after the Liverpool game? I don't know exactly. I've just seen it coming up today. And I just think, what a- prick that guy is man like he's already an ex-united player so he's already high on the prick scale uh but he's he just he's just been saying um that he's not good enough basically for what i saw um i assume also that he's he said that he's a liability before in games that i've seen on sky sports and yes he's got is this the same kyle walker who's been putting in consistent 10 out of 10 performances yeah. at right back for Manchester City since he signed for exactly. like three years ago, four years ago. Right. I, okay. I was reading tweets today as well. He said they've never seen a player who has put a one whole side of a pitch on lock so often. Like he's, he's consistently not as good as Cancelo going forward, but he's way better than Cancelo going back. And he's more than enough going forward. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not missing anything when he plays, if he plays mm. on Cancelo, really. And it, it just smacks of, I watch a game because I'm paid to do it on Super Sunday once every three weeks. Because, yeah, Kyle's got a mistake in him. Every 10, 15 games, there's a mistake in Kyle. That's, that can be a pretty bad one. <laughs> but like you say, I don't, there's nobody more consistent in terms of wide players, especially, that we have. I'd argue there's nobody really who was as much value for money in a position that we needed at the time as well. Yeah. I think he's every, mm-hmm. every bit worth that 50 million quid he paid and more. So yeah. I, it just, it just stank of a United, ex-United player watching a game once every three weeks and just deciding he's going to rag on Kyle Walker. And I just didn't get it. I just wanted to bring it up because I, I have a lot of love for Kyle and I think he's absolutely excellent. And he's one of the best signings we've made in the last five years. Easy. He's, he's got a couple of mistakes in him. He's wanting to give away a penalty, isn't he? I mean, it almost happened at Southampton and probably should have happened in, in the home match against Southampton. Uh, you think of Leicester City last season, a couple of mistakes there. But, I mean, overall, he shows up in the big games. And, and I think if you got to think about it as well. Look at all of the options that England have got a right back as well. Like, yeah. it's, it's well known that we've just got, like, a fucking plethora of brilliant world-class right-backs to choose from. And the fact that Southgate tried to drop Walker before, not include him in the squad, and he's been forced to bring him back and include him, like, just goes to show, like, how consistent he is. Like, how every, good he is. That, that he's mistake. holding someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Reese James out of a position, in a, a starting position in the England team most Being games. Being much older than them as well. Like, he's a good five or six years older than the both of them. 
and can outrun both of them still. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and for every mistake that he does make, there's a world class moment that you can back it up with. He's fucking yeah. bicycle kicks it off the line. <laughs> like, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, it's stupid. It's it's like the laziest bit of commentary I've seen from anybody on any media for a while. Uh, and I just I just thought I wanted to bring it up because. There's a lot of Kyle Walker slander, and I was happy to see people backing him up on Twitter, to be honest. Well, I thought he might have said something in the studio after the Liverpool game, because I know he was on Sky Sports doing the um, doing the punditry of it, but obviously it must have come about afterwards, because you know, I'd not seen it, so if, if that's come to your attention. But speaking of Liverpool, we drew with them 2-all at Anfield. Why don't we just do a... a overview of the game first camp do you reckon that that was a deserved point for City or should we have won that game did we deserve more is what I'm saying not should we have won it did we deserve more out of we've, it we've deserved nine points out of the last week and it was a bit yeah. frustrating man. Like, uh, it's, it's, we, we deserve to win every game and the PSG game we got Kyle and a couple of counters Liverpool game we probably got Kyle and a couple of counters and, and again it as much as we we think we can get by with this false nine stuff, these three games have highlighted that we don't have a, a deadly finisher still, because yeah. it does feel like they would have gone differently if we'd have had finishers in that game. Like Phil Foden was one on one a couple of times, uh, Jesus against Chelsea, like uh, everybody against PSG just looked like they couldn't get it on target, or if they were, it was right at the keeper. And I think it just highlights we, we deserve to win all three of those games. And it was a bit of, of a bit of pill to swallow that we could only pull back and draw. So James predicted the team correctly, the bastard. And um, so he got a bunch of points for that. I don't know how many points he got. Could it be three? Could it be five? I mean, who knows? Could it be four? You'll find out later in the podcast, I guess. But um, we, we had a conversation, Cameron, in the last pod about what was our best team? And so do you think that Pep Guardiola put our best team out or did he put our best 11 players right now out? I think it both. I think I think when I, when I was watching that, I turned to who I was watching with, I, I did just say, we, you can't, this is one game you can't blame on that he didn't put the best 11 he could have put out. Like if we were going to lose that game or not win that game, it was going to be down to performance or tactics rather than mm. the actual 11. So as soon as I saw that 11, I was more than happy with it. Um, but, but yeah, it was just down to... He couldn't have done better in picking the lineup, I don't think. Well, the, uh, the reason I framed it like that was it was a bit of a leading question because I do think that these are the, probably the best 11 players we could have put on the pitch. The 11 players may be in the best form. But you were saying about the false nine stuff and not having a finisher on there. What does Torres have to do to get back into the team? Because I think he'll play against Burnley. I think he'll get straight back in. I think he's just saw this week and played his best 11 as much as he could um, in, in terms of the best 11 players, like you say. So I think Torres will be back for Burnley. Um, whoever does that in two weeks, I think you'll see Torres up front. So here's my take on it that Jack Grealish didn't have the best game. He essentially got moved into the false nine position himself because we just knew that Phil Foden was going to run roughshod over James Milner for, for pretty much all of the game. And he did exactly that. Um, Jack Grealish isn't 
renowned for playing number nine as far as I'm aware. He's definitely never played that at City. I'm not sure I've ever seen him play there for Aston Villa. So would it not have made more sense to just play Torres in there? And he's a player, like we said in the last pod, that you know if he gets the ball in front of goal, he's going to shoot, he's going to get it on target and he's going to likely score. Would that not have been... Well, even without Torres, there were better options at false nine in that game. If Foden can run Milner ragged, Jack Grealish could run Milner ragged. You know what I mean? Like, it's not exclusive to Phil Foden. Because he's not a right back. You put any quick, technically gifted player against James Milner on the right back, they're going to have the run of him. So, maybe Foden in at false nine would have been better. Maybe the way Bernardo was playing would have been better at false nine. I don't know why you'd try that as an experiment in such a difficult game. And I can only assume he maybe saw something against PSG that he, he wanted to try. Um, but mm. yeah. See, I think for me, it was just more that, I mean, we spoke about it as well in the last pod, that our best front three are the, the front three that Pep chose. And he just wanted to work that in rather than it being the best team, those were the best 11 players that we that he thought that we could put out there. And then let's put them in and hope that the system works and we get the ball in the back of the net. And you know what we did twice? One from a a brilliant fucking goal by Phil Foden and another a bit more of a sort of team effort goal, maybe a bit lucky with the deflection. But why don't we start at the beginning then and and go back through um, the first half? Obviously, we're the better team. There's a lot of missed opportunities. Was there anything that really stood out to you that you thought like, we should have scored there. City should be in front. We should have been about two or three to look. And it, again, it just goes back to we should. We, if we had a more clinical striker up front, I'm not saying Torres would have definitely put him away because he does have an issue with getting into the game, especially early on. Uh, but I think if you'd have seen a striker up front, a proper one, we would have we would have been comfortably ahead by half time. But it just it just wasn't to be, was it? Like it wasn't against Chelsea, like it wasn't against PSG. So. There's a Richard Rant coming up here, and and let me prelude that with a with another leading question, mate. Was it a penalty? The challenge by James Milner on Phil Foden, where he catches Phil Foden's running directly through on goal. He catches Foden. Is it inside the area? Is it outside the area? Is it a foul? Isn't it? The referee says no to both. What do you think? It was definitely a foul. I thought he clipped him. To be honest, it was as close to the line as it could have been. And I think, I feel like it was just outside, like an inch outside the box. And then Foden's movement carried him in. I wasn't too upset about it, other than the fact that he didn't give a foul for it. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a yellow and a foul because it was somebody else got, somebody on our side did the exact same thing. I want to say it was Kyle Walker. Clipped Mane, Ruben Diaz, I think. Yeah, Diaz, Diaz clipped Mane the exact same way, and yeah. got booking for it. So that that stuck in the craw a little bit more. Um, but I don't think it was a penalty, and I didn't feel aggrieved that we didn't get a penalty. I, I felt more aggrieved that we weren't ahead. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. More than anything. I mean, and, and we knew, kind of knew that as well, everybody watching that with it being nil-nil at halftime, Liverpool aren't going to come out in the second half and they're not going to be as weak. You know, Klopp's going to proper rile them up. We said heavy metal football's dead and I, and I stand by that. It, judging off of this game, it was, but... I was screaming. They, I was like, I was just screaming. At t- you, need, you need to do something while you've got the run and mill before they change it. Because yeah. you could see Klopp, as he does, 
burst in towards the dressing room because he knew he, something needed to be changed. As soon as I saw him running towards the dressing room, I was like, fuck me, he's worked somehow and he's he's got to stop that left side as much. And he didn't, to be fair. <laughs> he didn't really do much to stop that left-hand side. But. Well, I was going to say, at Liverpool, they were better. They had a bit more intensity. They were a bit more lively, but it wasn't like a well-worked sort of traditional Liverpool goal that they'd score. It was a world-class finish an individual moment of brilliance by a world-class player. Does Mo Salah belong up there with some of the best Premier League strikers of all time? Mm, it's a question, isn't it? Because it's a shame that we don't have Liverpool's number one fan, James. I mean, he's so likeable. It's undoubtable that he's a world-class player and he's scored a lot of goals. You just hesitate. You know, I don't like saying anybody's a world-class, like best of best of the Premier League era while they're still playing. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I'm not saying that. Sorry, if I if I did say that, I didn't. But do we, does he belong to be considered up there in the moment now with some of the best? Not not saying that, like, let's rank them or whatever, but is he a contender? He's he's in the top 10, definitely. If I, if I had time to think our list, maybe the top five, but he's, he's definitely, he'll be long remembered in the Premier League after he retires. Put it out, he'll be one of them players that you always refer to as if only because he got the record um, for being one of the best finishers. He's, he's not a striker, though, is he? He's a winger, so you, they always get separated out. Um, but he, he's definitely worthy of, of mention because that goal, fucking hell, man, like it just felt we were standing still. It, could we have done anything about it? I don't think we could have, no. <laughs> I, think, I think it was just entirely magical and then there's nothing that we could have done to stop him scoring it just it, it, I think he dribbled around five players in the end what what are you supposed to do like <laughs> it, it, the law of averages states that one of them's got to get a touch on the ball <laughs> so like, nobody, got the touch, key, nobody got near it so the key thing was that Cancelo was already on a yellow card so he couldn't go in as hard as he probably would have wanted risking Catching Salah, we know what Salah's like as well. Any touch on him to get an advantage to Liverpool, he's going to go down. And so Laporte did the right thing in the area as well. He, he showed him onto his um, weaker right foot, if that's what you want to call it. But um, And then it was just a fucking... To get the ball past Edison at that angle with that like sort of accuracy and speed, like you could see Edison was so close to getting a hand to it, but it was just so quick that he couldn't do it. And it... I was fucking fuming, mate. Um, you know what I'm like watching a, a game against Liverpool and Ryan Mares wasn't on the pitch for me to fucking uh <laughs> for me to blame this time. So once Salah scored, I honestly was pretty much resigning to a to a Liverpool loss. I was thinking City don't come back from behind at the best of times. We really struggle when the other team scores first and at Anfield as well. Is it gonna be too much for him? But then one of our own world-class <laughs> players um, comes up with the goods. Do you have anything, uh, any superlatives for, for our boy, Phil? I'd die for Phil Foden, I think. If there was a <laughs> train hurtling at Phil Foden and I had the chance to jump in front of it and save him, I would. But only on the condition that his next dog was named after me. <laughs> I'd say only on the condition that he deletes his Snapchat account, but and changes his hair, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a no look finish, man. At Anfield, 
with the cop bearing down on you. Like, as, as much as I don't believe in that crowd stuff, if you've got the audacity to attempt a no-look finish from that distance, from that angle, he's he's crazy. And he's only going to get better. So, at least we got some out of it. That goal. You know, you know what I fucking love, mate, is that, you know, we, we talked about, like, is there an Anfield hoodoo over Manchester City? Did last season count our win there with the fans not being there? And you know what I'm getting the impression of is that there's some players who are playing for City now who just aren't affected by this. Like Foden doesn't give a fucking shit about any hoodoo well, or any record. Stat, or... There was a stat he had. Uh, he's the first player since somebody in like 2006 or something um, to score three to score in three consecutive games at Anfield. Yeah, he, he doesn't fucking care, and we need more players like that coming through who aren't. You know, like, no offence to him, like, Raheem Sterling, he, he's going to get booed to fuck there because they just can't get over the fact that he left them at the right time to come to a better club. Um, and, you know, hopefully Grealish, you know, it, well, he didn't have the best game, but he's new. Hopefully he's not going to be affected by it. Rodri, mate. Oh, mate. We talked extensively about how fucking brilliant he was in the last two games. He's had a fucking blinder again. Yeah. One of the best performances from a um, defensive midfielder probably ever. Again, like third one in a row. That block to stop the, <laughs> the goal from but going in. There's, there's that question people always ask about what, what's the best three episode run in a TV show. Uh, and when you think of them, there's always like two that are great and one that might not be so great in any TV show. But if you're applying it to this, these last three games that Rodri has had, I think you'd struggle to name a better three games in a row from any City player ever. Like, Jesus Christ. He's been absolutely immense. And so much so that, like, I'm a big Fernandinho fanboy and I'm like, maybe we can just start Rodri for most games now and I'd be more than happy with it because I don't know what's clicked with him recently. I don't know whether it's a positioning thing or, or whether it's just... He's finally used to it. He's, he's taken that 18 months that everybody takes to get used to the system. Uh, but he's, he's done it now. Uh, and he's, I hope it long may it continue. So Liverpool score again. They go in front 2-1. It's Mane. Another good goal, to be fair to them. Won it the other way City around? Then, no, no. City came from... Salah scored and then Mane scored, right? I'm going to double-check that. Uh, one sec. Because I thought Mane scored first. Yeah, Mane 59th minute, Salah 76. So, ah, right. Stop it around. So, Mane scores first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Who gives a fucking shit? Because uh, City came from behind twice. And yeah. for me, that's everything, considering how poor we've been from coming from behind. And to do that at Anfield as well, as I said, means a lot. And how poor we've been in front of goal in the last three games. So, yeah, to come back and score two from behind is great. I just wish we'd have done it. First in the first half, like it's annoying mm-hmm. that we had to go behind. But like you say, I'm just glad we we got a point out of it in the end because we were saying that two weeks ago that seven six points was likely, and we only got four. Yeah, yeah. But um, we played brilliantly in all three games. So you know, I'd I'd take it. I'd take the the four. We we got the. We got the important ones and we knew that the PSG was a bit of a wash. We could afford to lose that one anyway, so I'm content. But in the in the Liverpool game, 
it does lead us on to the massively contentious fucking decision. And that's the fact that having already been booked, James Milner commits a blatant tactical foul on Bernardo Silva. I smell a Richard Rant incoming. Foul given. But the, so the referee could see it. He knows it's a tactical foul. Bernardo Silva lands on his head and neck and rolls over and the referee gives nothing. Refer- the VAR can't overrule it because it isn't a straight card, red card decision. It's just a second yellow and they don't have the jurisdiction over that. So, Cam, for you, is this was the, is it a refereeing mistake? Is it part of a wider conspiracy theory? Is it part of what Mike, Micah Richards said after the game? that the referee bottled it because it was Anfield. So we've we've clearly got a spectrum of a conversation that's worth having here because it's been discussed on national television as well of, is Paul Tierney just a shit referee who shouldn't be refereeing the biggest Premier League game of the season, the one of the most important referee games of the season? Is it match-fixing? Or is it somewhere along the middle where you can think, well, he's also just a fucking coward and he's bottled it in front of some of 54,000 spitting scousers? I think if it was match fixed, they did a fucking shit job of it because we pulled it, go- <laughs> we pulled it back to two all. Um, but Paul Tierney is a fucking shit referee. He's right near the bottom of the list for me. I've never seen a game that he's done well. Um, and yeah, I, I, maybe it is a guy. Like, it even discounting Micah Richards, Pep had something to say on it. Pep literally had to say, if that was a City player, they would have been off. And like he was so sure of it. So Mike Dean on the sideline grinning away when it happened, of course, as well, uh, making it all about him, even when he's the fourth official. So it's it was a joke. It was it was an absolute joke, and it's hard not to feel really aggrieved and think that there is some kind of little match fixing, but I think it's more that he's just absolutely incompetent and, and a coward more than anything else because he's, he's awful. He's one of the worst we've got. So I've mentioned on the pod before as well how I don't, I don't feel like the officiating's been up to standard at Anfield and it's been consistently bad to the point where the implementation of the rules has been different in this particular fixture, Liverpool versus Manchester City at Anfield. Would you go along with that, or I, I've I don't have the specific examples to hand, but it, it, I'm assuming you do. But it wouldn't surprise. Yes, me. I absolutely <laughs> do. Yes, because anyway, <laughs> I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. I, I just don't have them specifically in my head. So, seventh of February last year, uh, this year, but last season, we beat uh, Liverpool four-one. The referee was Michael Oliver, but. City won, but there's still a few contentious decisions here that go against Manchester City. So Mo Salah goes down after Ruben Diaz finds himself on the wrong side of him. He touches his arm, being on the wrong side. Mo Salah flings his hands up in the air as he's wont to do. A penalty is awarded and VAR doesn't intervene. Hmm. Now for context, City were also awarded a penalty in the first half, a rarity at Anfield. So this evens up the penalties for the game. So to me, in my opinion, that penalty decision is given by Michael Oliver for Mo Salah, even though there's very little in it. And it's because he wants to even things up at Anfield because he's already awarded Manchester City penalty. What do you think? Do you go, do you agree with that? Or 
Do you I remember that game? I don't remember the specific in, specific incident, but when you've described it to me, I do. It does recollect uh, that, that that did it did feel like that. Um, I don't know if it's a rarity that we oh, we've had two penalties at Anfield in what three years. Ooh, I'm about to give you the context, okay, though, mate. Go on. So uh, the season before, 10th of November 2019, Liverpool beat us 3-1. Michael Oliver, again, is the referee for this game. So Trent Alexander-Arnold handballs blatantly in the I first half. Yeah. yeah, it's not given and it's backed up by VAR. No penalty. Liverpool immediately go to the other end and score straight away. Yeah, now, right. in my opinion, yeah, the reason that that handball isn't given, it's at Anfield. You can't, you can't possibly upset the Anfield crowd there. You can't possibly upset the millions of people watching around the world and deny Liverpool a goal to give Manchester City a penalty. So Mo Salah scores Liverpool second, looks to be offside, but this time VAR doesn't even check, intervene, draw the lines, contradictory to the way that it's been implemented in every other Premier League game up until that point. So the context of this is VAR's been coming under a lot of criticism for the likes of high-profile names like Gary Lineker, who have been saying that it takes too long, it's too intricate, it's too it's picking up on too minute details. Let's We need to bin that. So for this game randomly they just choose to take his advice and not implement any lines whatsoever not even check that they just allow the goal to stand Trent Alexander-Arnold then in the second half handballs again in his defense his arm was down by his side but the way that handball was judged that season was a little bit differently it was suspicious at best that we were denied two penalties for two handballs from the same player in the same game by a referee who would then a year later want to even the score up. Imagine if you put this much effort into your games, Paul. (laughs) Do you think I'm wrong about anything? No, I don't. It's hard to to talk about it without seeming like a tinfoil blue. You know what I mean? But but the evidence is there. Like you say, the evidence It's repeated, mate. There's evidence. Go back the season before. It's the 7th of October, 2018. And this is the nil-nil draw. And the referee is Martin Atkinson this time, right? So Lovren kicks Aguero in the back of his leg in the first half. It's blatant. Aguero goes down. He tries to get up to play the advantage and get the ball, much like Foden did in this last game. But no penalty is given. Sadio Mane is fouled by Fernandinho in the centre of the pitch. He kicks out. Do you remember when Son did this and he sort of like jumps up a little bit and kick, kicks the player out in frustration and got a red card. Mm. Mane, nothing. Fernandinho gets a, a warning for the foul. Van Dijk blatantly handballs from a corner with his arms above his head. So the ball's coming over the top. Van Dijk jumps up. His arms are above his head. He knocks the ball over with his hand, falls to the ground, no penalty given again. Henderson then swipes at Jesus later in the game. Jesus is on the goal line. He's running into the penalty area. He's in the penalty area. Henderson, with his arm laterally, swipes across Jesus' face, knocks him to the ground. No penalty given. So this is why the Mares penalty was given in this game, because there's been three obvious chances, opportunities to give Manchester City what they deserve, 
play by the fucking rules and give him a penalty, and he didn't. But this time, Van Dyke obviously sliding tackles Leroy Sane, doesn't get the ball. The referee has no fucking choice but to give a penalty. And then our man, Raid, <laughs> blast takes advantage of the opportunity by blasting the fucker right out of the stadium. But I've not gone back any further than that because, to be fair, I, I think our quote-unquote rivalry with Liverpool started probably from the two times we lost with them in, in 2017, which, to, to give a bit of balance, Liverpool deserved to win both of those games and there probably wasn't too many contentious decision in, in there. But since Liverpool and City have been rivals, that's four times we've gone to Anfield and the referees have bent over backwards to not give us what we deserve, not play by the rules, and give the advantage to the Anfield crowd. I think it's probably better we didn't get four penalties in that nil-nil game, because if Real Maris had missed four penalties, my God, I'd have hated to have hey. seen you. But... <laughs> I was angry with him to begin with. Could you imagine how angry <laughs> I would have been? Anyway? In my defence, I had had about 12 pints of German lager in Jack <laughs> <laughs> by the time we got to the penalty. Mm. So, uh, if anything, that he did us a favour by not making me drink any harder. <laughs> well, can, can we... Uh, I believe you, you're fully right, pal. Um, and, and you've got the evidence to back it up. But I'd like to... Because uh, I think this is the last thing we've got to say about it. Is end this on a nice thing then? I'll just say Bernardo Silva again. Wow. He's back up to, remember 2017 18, Bernardo, who could have looked like he could have won the Ballon d'Or. He was playing that well. He is. He's definitely back to those levels. Oh, Do you man, think he played a different deep. role again in this one than he had done? The yeah, last he, did, two? he didn't drop deep like he did in Lambert I was hoping he would against Chelsea. Um, he seemed less. Mobile's not the word, but like like against PSG, it felt like he was all over the place. Against this, it, it did feel like he had a, a position to stick to. But, mate, that run, that rivaled Salah's run, that, that one run where he took out five Liverpool players and he got knocked over as well and still came away with the ball. Like, we hadn't seen him do that for a few years. We used to always be able to count on Bernardo getting knocked over and still coming away with the ball somehow. <laughs> so, um, it was... He's back to his absolute best, and I'm so glad he didn't go in the summer. Everyone was comparing the Salah goal to, like, saying it was Messi-esque. To me, there was nothing more Messi-esque than that run by Bernardo. Exactly. Nothing. Yeah, like, it, it was fucking... And it deserved a goal at the end of it. I wish that Phil would have just shot first oh, yeah. time. Yeah. It, it, if we let him go, that's one of the biggest mistakes we'll make, because he, he will be one of the top midfielders that you've referred to. If he's yeah. not now, if he's not already now, it's not long before he if if he does go, I'm so fucking thankful that we've we've had him for another year at the club. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I love him to death. Um, so never leave, please, Bernardo. <laughs> so there we have it, guys. The uh, the the spoils were shared at Anfield. We were fucked over by the referee, just like we've been fucked over by referees consistently repeatedly at Anfield season after season after season something's got to give Pep said so Michael Richards has said it at least it's out there mainstream now FA so, um, surprisingly quiet as well I've not heard him 
talking about sanctioning Guardiola or anything. I so. was going to ask, yeah, neither have I, mate. Uh, no fines for Pep just yet. But you know what? They'll probably bring it about. You know, we'll see. We'll end up drawing them in the fucking FA Cup or the Champions League later in the season, and, and we'll see if we get anything different then. As long as it's not the Carabao, that's fine. <laughs> Are they not out already? No, I think they went through. Oh, fucking hell. That's a rarity. Was Klopp yeah. playing to win or was it just an accident? <laughs> Yeah, both. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the end of part one. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to see if James shows up. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We'll play a few mystery games. We'll have a bit of fun. I'll calm down a little bit and get myself a drink. Stay yeah, tuned. It'll be like it. It'll be like it happened ages ago. You won't even hear the anger in his voice. Memento. <laughs> <laughs>